at you live from America's podcast studio, Eric the Turf Teacher Jones. The landscape contractor and green industry platform for success. This is the Podscape, brought to you by LMN Software. And a welcome, everyone, to the Podscape, the podcast by yours truly, the Turf Teacher, on a Monday afternoon here in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I want to discuss tonight the contractor and client relationship, a big, big, important aspect of our of our business right how do we obtain work that's what we're going to discuss and then once we get that work what kind of contract are we going to be involved with that is what we are discussing on tonight's episode before we get started today i want to give a big shout out to lmn software because none of this would be possible without them I've personally been using their software in my own company, and so far it's been a complete game changer for my business. LMN is the most comprehensive landscape business management software in the industry. From budgeting, estimating, CRM, time tracking, and so much more, it's a simple do-it tool for your landscape business and provides a platform to scale your company to the next level. And the best part about LMN is they have a free version, which you can begin using today if you choose to. Just visit golmn.com forward slash free to learn more and start taking advantage of the software that's helped me grow my business into a successful, sustainable, and profitable company. That's golmn.com dot com forward slash free g-o-l-m-n dot com forward slash free eric the turf teacher jones teaching you life lessons business strategies and leadership Let's grow together so eric how are we going to obtain these landscape jobs that you're talking about what is it with these contractor-client relationships that you're talking about? How do we get new work? How are we going after these new works? Well, guys, it doesn't matter if you're a design-build contractor that does hardscapes, pool skates, outdoor kitchens, outdoor entertainment areas, that you have a landscape architect on staff, that you have your landscape contractor or general contractor's license, or you're the landscape management company providing mowing services, mulching services, snow removal services, the whole nine yards. It doesn't matter. You're going to obtain landscape work either through direct procurement, competitive negotiation, or competitive bidding. With direct procurement, the client calls you and only you. You've earned their respect. You've earned their trust. You've earned their commitment. They've seen you in the neighborhood they seen you working for someone else. This direct procurement either comes from word of mouth advertising, which is the best advertising yet. True. You can't beat it. I don't care. I don't care how big you are on social media. When it comes to getting a job and being referred to by another customer, it's the best way to get work. That is direct procurement. Word of mouth advertising. It can also be that they did see that truck in the neighborhood of yours and they captured the phone number off the side of the truck and they gave you a call and said, hey, we've seen you working down the street. If you're working for Mr. Miss Smith up the street, we know you are a good company. Can you come by and give us a quote? You go by and give the quote. You get the job right then and there. They're not talking to anyone else. 
It can be from your marketing services or marketing efforts, as I should say, that you're doing on social media, that you're doing through search engine optimization. They've seen your YouTube page. They've seen your Facebook page. They've called you. They're not talking to anyone else. They know what it is that they want, or they're going to ask you for a design. It's direct procurement. You and only them in the relationship. Competitive negotiation. This often requires the contractor to submit detailed explanations and an itemized list of the products and services that they're going to offer. Let's say you're that management contractor and you're giving them a turf grass program. You may have seven applications. You may be pricing doing two pine needle applications, but you're competing with someone who's only going to do five applications of turf grass fertility and only going to do one mulching application. Are you really bidding apples to apples here? That's why it's called competitive negotiation. You're having to explain to the customer why it is that you are either higher or that your price is lower. And unfortunately, the customer may get a little confused during this process. It might be a little bit overwhelming. So why is ABC Landscaping at $450 a month for the whole maintenance of the, of the year? And we've got uh, someone that's $525 a month. And I'm just using those numbers as examples, guys. But I'm saying, are you really comparing apples to apples? More than likely, you're not. That's why you have to give these detailed lists. And it's up to the client to decide which estimate or which proposal that they want to go with. So when you are in a competitive negotiation situation, you better make sure that you've got your products lined up, that you've got examples, that you've got your turf grass fertility program right there, step by step. When that you're going to do the applications, why you're doing those applications. And you need to explain to them why you are maybe a little bit more expensive. Let them decide. Or you can say, if you're really wanting to go with us and the price is a little bit right, we can knock off one turf grass application and we can only mulch once a year if you if we need to bring the price down you see what we're doing we're negotiating which is totally different than that competitive bidding this is a formal process practiced by public agencies meaning the government and private individuals or private companies if you're bidding on Government work, you're going to be submitting a bid anyway. They're going to take low bid no matter what. Private companies, they do have a selection process when people submit bids. You're, one, going to receive a request for qualifications or a request for proposals. They're going to pre-qualify you. Do you have the means to do this project? Do you have the financial means to back it? Because you're still not going to get paid like you're working for a residential customer. That's going to pay you when you're pretty much done. But there are cases when you might be competitively bidding on a residential job. Let's take that for example. Mr. and Ms. Smith has hired a landscape architect 
to design their pool and their hardscape around the pool, their fire pit, their kitchen, their outdoor kitchen, and they have a nice seating area in the shade to the side. And let's say that the project's going to be 200000 Just using that as a number. But this landscape architect is going to still work for the client and actually help them get these bids. They might have one job that's, you know, 205. They might have a job, uh, a price come in at 198. They may have a price come in at 220. Well, the landscape architect's going to help that homeowner decide which one they want to use. Now, I guarantee you, not every time does the homeowner select the low bid. They may look at references. They may look at previous project portfolios. They may interview you. And it's how comfortable do they feel you. It's up to them. But still, when it comes to competitive bidding, on the commercial side, they're going to take the low bid. Or they're going to take the next highest bid from the low bid. They may have a process in place where they automatically drop the lowest bidder. I've seen that. I've seen that. But when you are bidding, competitive bidding, on any type of commercial or government work, you are going to be pre-qualified, which means you may have to submit financial statements. You may have to submit letters of references. You may have to go ahead and give them a certificate of insurance, copy of your license, They want to make sure that you are 100% legit. Now, after you've secured this work by either one of those three ways, what type of relationship are you going to have with the customer? Are you going to be a prime contractor? Are you going to be a subcontractor? Are you going to be a owner's agent? Are you going to be a construction manager? You're probably going to be one of the first two that I said, either a prime or a subcontractor. If Mr. and Ms. Smith has selected three companies to bid on their outdoor pool and entertainment areas, you're bidding on becoming the prime contractor. If, one, your license allows you to build swimming pools. Landscape contractors in North Carolina cannot build pools. You have to have the general contractor's license to build pools. We have both. So, in all actuality, I would be bidding on the job to be the prime contractor. I'm going to hold the prime construction contract with the client. The one who is financing the job or writing the checks, me and them, And I'm also going to be responsible for numerous suppliers and subcontractors on a project of that size. Or, as a landscape contractor, we may submit our bids to either another prime contractor who has a contract with the owner or who is bidding against other prime contractors. But if you are bidding on a job for Mr. and Ms. Smith, you'll be the prime. If you only do softscapes or you only do hardscapes and you're submitting a proposal for that job, 
you're more than likely just going to be a subcontractor. Now, there are other relationships that you can have with an owner. One is the owner's agent. You're a third party to the contractor. This is a situation where you are just a designer. And you were hired by the owner to design that pool, that hardscape area, the entertainment center, outdoor kitchen for the Smiths. You've got all the 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 plans approved by the, the municipality, the county, everything, the zoning, inspections division. You've got the permits. Everything is secured. Now they're ready to hire the contractor. You may want to stay with your client throughout the whole construction process, and you're charging them a fee just to kind of look over the project, to meet with the GC, to meet with the landscape contractor, to get the work done. Or you may be a construction manager. And I look at this as more like a design-build situation. You have the in-house landscape architect. You have the in-house construction crews to build the entire project. And a good thing about being a construction manager and having your own design team is that if there's any changes that need to be made with the Smiths, they, they're, they're starting to, you're starting to do the job, you're starting to work, and they want to make some quick changes, you have that landscape architect on staff, and they can make it real quick and then get the Smith to sign that change order, and it's done, and it's finished. There is no waiting for the Smiths to contact their landscape architect who may be on another project and can't get to them for a couple days, and then they have to wait for a few more days for the change to be made, and then the Smiths approve it, blah, blah, blah. You see how long that can be drawn out. So that's why a lot of landscape contractors are going to design, build, and offering that construction management services. It's the only way to do it, to be honest with you. And so you've got the work out of the three ways, and you are – now deemed the prime contract or the prime contractor for the pool job, what does that contract need to have? What's going to make it legal? Well, there are some required conditions of a contract, and these include the names and address of all parties involved. Now, remember, this is the contract between you and the owner. You're the prime contractor. Yes, you may want to get some contracts for your subs a little bit later, but now we're focused on the contract between you and the Smiths. You need to have the date of the contract preparation, when it was written, when it was, you know, born, and then a description of the work to be accomplished in the materials and services that you are going to provide them for their project. Terms of completion, when there's going to be inspections, when do you think the completion date will be? And if there is a penalty for not completing on time, a lot of homeowners that are spending that kind of money, they're probably going to have an attorney or something overlook that contract, and then they're going to want to make sure that there is a penalty in there. But give yourself enough time to get the job done. And I have a whole... <laughs> ton of information on my YouTube page about contracts and about adding in those uh, statements in there that can, you know, help you through a week of snow, two weeks of rain, 
we we can't determine what the weather's going to be like after we've signed a contract. So you've got to have those clauses in there to help you out. You got to list the terms of payment. When is it that you're going to get paid? Do you need a down payment halfway through, a third of the way through? Do you want four payments, three payments, whatever it is? You have to decide that and put it in your contract. And then both parties need to sign it. And yes, with LMN, you have the customer portal. You can upload all that stuff and they can approve it and sign it. Or you can take it by with a clipboard, pad folio, and a blue ink pen and get the John Henry signature right there. And then date the signatures, the date of signing or all elements that need to be in a contract. Guys, if you're looking for continuing education, I want you to check this out right now. Eric the Turf Teacher Jones. Teaching you life lessons, business strategies, and leadership. Let's grow together. If you're needing irrigation, landscape, or pesticide credits, check out my website at turfteacher.com. Every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m., we host Turf Talk Tuesday for pesticide credits and have online courses for both irrigation and landscape contractors. There are also several opportunities to get your credits at one of our seminars that we do throughout the southeastern United States and information on our Christmas lighting course. Check it out again at turfteacher.com. All right, so we've landed the job. We've secured the job. We are the landscape contractor for Mr. and Mrs. Smith's pool job. We've got the contract, but what about contract documents? This may be a little bit harder to get if we've secured the job through direct procurement unless we are a design-build contractor because these contract documents are going to be the specifications and the construction drawings. We can't do that pool without a set of plans, right? So either we've drawn it or they've hired someone to draw it. And I do believe that's the better case. And that's what we talked about, you know, in the first half of the, of the, uh, the episode here. We bid on the job. We got it because there was a set of plans. We have to have those contract documents, which also includes the contract itself, the specifications, and the construction drawings. We're the prime contractor. So now we have to get our subcontractors lined up. This is going to be a relationship between a sub and you, the prime contractor, that can either be in the form of a contract, an informal letter agreement, or an oral agreement. You said an informal letter agreement. Yes. Yes. If you've worked for them a little bit and you kind of know them, what about the oral agreement? This is, this is a situation where you know the subcontractor and you know them well. They've worked for you for several, several years. You haven't had any issues with them. You can call them up and say, hey, Steve, we've started the job. Uh, we've got the, we got the concrete pool in or we got the liner in. We're ready for you to come and do some uh, hardscaping around it. We're ready, you, we're ready to get you in there. You've worked with them time and time again. There's no issues. Or if it's somebody brand new, you need to do a full written contract 
stating your specifications for them. They need to see the plans. You need to list the payment terms to them because it's going to be hard to pay the sub if you haven't been paid by Mr. and Ms. Smith yet. That's what you got to focus on now. And there are such things as a two-party contract. These, these are for smaller projects that can proceed without the benefit of an expensive set of contract documents. You're going to need it for that pool job. Trust me on that. But you may not need it if it's just a small landscape job and you've secured the job through direct procurement. They trust you. You know them. You've done a little digital imaging through Pro Landscape or something. And you're like, hey, this is the price. You don't need those construction drawings. You just need that that digital image that took you a few minutes to do. You could have done it in a truck on your iPad or done it on your laptop or whatever. So you don't need to have a full set of construction documents. But with that poolscape, yes, you're going to. Now, you may need to make sure that all your subcontractors have the correct insurance, the correct bonds, and the licensorship. And you are going to need these things as well. Let's say you are working for that commercial GC. They're going to make sure that you have it all in place. All three of these are means in which contractors will and can protect themselves in the event that something goes wrong during the construction job. People are going to get hurt. Mistakes are going to be made. You better make sure you have workers' comp and general liability in place before stepping foot on a construction project or before you have one of your subcontractors show up to work. You need to have their certificate. Contracted projects typically require that contractors have the coverage before the work even begins. Mr. and Ms. Smith would want to see a copy of your workers' comp and general liability certificate from your agent before you start work. They'd probably even want to see it before you even bid on the job. A lot of commercial GCs do require that. That's part of the bid qualification process. And then no subcontractor will ever show up without having the insurance coverage in place. Double check those certificates of insurance. Make sure it comes from the actual insurance agency, not the contractor themselves. I've seen all types. I've seen contractors white it out, make photocopies, and try to write it in and make it look like a computer. I've seen it slid through a typewriter and the fonts all jacked up. I've seen every which way because people do not want to pay those premiums. But they have to if they're going to work for me, and they better have it if they're going to work for you. You may need bonding. Bonding is a surety tool in which a bonding agency guarantees payment in the event that if you fail to complete your legal obligation that's written in the contract. Surety bonds are required by all landscape contractors and irrigation contractors here in North Carolina. Surety bonds are not required for GCs. They just have to do financial audits every year. You may have to submit a bid bond. A bid bond protects the owner if you withdraw your bid after being selected. Let's say you submitted the bid to Mr. and Ms. Smith on the poolscape job and you realized, oh my gosh, I forgot. I forgot the the electrical quote in my price and the electrician submitted, you know, they're doing $20,000 worth of work. 
And the reason you got it is because you were that cheap, right? And then you're like, oh, no, I, I forgot it. Mr. Miss Smith, I'd like to withdraw my bid. No, 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 no. You're not withdrawing your bid. What we're going to do is we're going to enact your bid bond, and your bid bond is going to pay the difference. Going to pay the difference. You don't want that to happen. They'll they'll call that bid bond, and they'll get their money and get the next highest bidder to do the job. You may have to submit performance and payment bonds. Successful bidders will have to do this. They'll have to submit it before the construction begins. The performance bond provides protection to the owner in case you fail to complete the conditions of the contract. Payment bonds guarantee payment for labor and material bills that you incur during the construction project. They're making sure everybody gets paid. A lot of times you're going to have to submit even lien waivers to get your payments. You have to show them that you've paid all subs and all materials for the job. Guys, you, you need to have a little bit of money in your pocket before you tackle some of these jobs. It's hard being a banker and a landscaper at the same time, but that's what a lot of these jobs do require. And I have a ton of information on my YouTube page about that. Check it out. Now, if Mr. and Ms. Smith doesn't live in your town, they live in the neighboring county or the neighboring town, you're probably going to have to secure a business license as well. Several states, several counties, and definitely the cities require anyone working in their jurisdiction to obtain a business license. And then always, always check the proper contractor license. You know, you don't want to build a pool here in North Carolina unless you have the general contractor's license. It may be different in others, other states. We also have a pool contractor license. But if you're a licensed general contractor, you can actually build the swimming pools. You can't as a landscape contractor. And if I'm hiring someone to work on someone else's property, I'm going to make sure that I have the proper license, and that is GC, uh, just just to cover all of my bases. And make sure each one of your subs are licensed. If you're hiring a subcontractor to do the irrigation work for you, they need to have an irrigation license. The electrician to run the power out to the outdoor kitchen has to have an electrical license. The plumber hooking up the sink and stuff at the outdoor kitchen has to be a licensed plumber. Just because you're doing outdoor stuff doesn't mean that you are exempt from the North Carolina building code or your state's building code. Don't. Try it. Make sure you have the proper insurance. Make sure you have the required bonds. And make sure you have the proper license. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us here on the Podscape an old surf teacher will see you in the next lecture. For more landscape business expert advice, check out golmn.com forward slash blog. And once again, a massive shout out to LMN Software for sponsoring this podcast and making it all happen. LMN is the most comprehensive landscape business management software in the industry. 
from budgeting, estimating, customer relationship management, time tracking, and so much more. It's the true do-it-all tool for your landscape business and provides a platform to scale your company to the next level. And the best part about LMN is that they have a free version, which you can use today if you choose to. Just visit golmn.com forward slash free to learn more and start taking advantage of the software that's helped me grow my business into a successful, sustainable, and profitable company. That's golmn.com forward slash free. And thanks again, everyone. And I'll see you in the next lecture. And that wraps up this episode of the Podscape. Thank you so much for joining us here, guys. I love each and every one of you. Life lessons and landscape lectures brought to you by the Turf Teacher and LMN Software. We'll see you in the next episode. Turf Teacher out. Turf Teacher out.